welcome to All Places Together. Here we believe that our stories are connected to one another and rooted in God's radical love for diverse creation. Wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are, whatever you are, take a deep breath. We're joining with creation. It's Sky Week. This week, we welcome Dr. Laura Hartman from the Environmental Studies Department at Roanoke College. Some of the things that Laura researches and teaches about are environmental ethics, religion and ecology, environmental justice, and climate engineering. She is also one of the founders of RAISE, which stands for Roanoke Area Interfaith Stewards of the Earth. RAISE is an affiliate of the Interfaith Power and Light Organization. Laura likes to pursue urban hiking and finding non-car ways of getting around the city. She is a knitter, and her proudest knitting accomplishment is making a pair of gloves that she gave to her brother-in-law. Welcome, Laura, to All Places Together. We're so glad you're here. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. So tell us, where is home and what makes your home special? So home for me is the city of Roanoke um, in my neighborhood, which is the Mountain View neighborhood. Shout out to the Mountain View. <laughs> uh, we picked that neighborhood partly because it's walkable. I can walk downtown in 20 minutes. I can walk over to the co-op and the movie theater in another 20 minutes. So it's between those those two hotspots in the, in the city. But it's also in an area where the neighbors... Uh, are very diverse and interesting. We've got um, neighbors who've lived there for decades. We've got neighbors who just moved in. We've got neighbors who speak several different languages, including Nepali, which is really fun, like yeah. from from Nepal. Wow, cool. Yeah, and um, it's just there's so much going on in the neighborhood, and everything is always um, changing and interesting. It's right by the Greenway, and... Um, there's all of those factors coming together make it a place where I can feel at home. Did you look at a variety of neighborhoods in the Roanoke Valley area and decide that this is where you wanted to be and then found a house there? Or was it the house and it just happened to be in a really great place? The, the first. We, okay. re we researched many neighborhoods. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there are many lovely neighborhoods in the city of Roanoke. Um, but this one spoke to us most strongly. Uh, and we were able to afford a pretty significantly sized house for a not such a high price compared with the other areas nearby. So we felt sure. like it was it was just the right fit. That's wonderful. That's awesome that you found a great house in the neighborhood that you wanted to be in. This is week three of our celebration of the season of creation, and it is Sky Week here at all places. So we're going to take a look at one of the one of the many Bible passages that talks about the sky and dig into what the skies are telling us now in 2021. Our biblical passage for today comes from the book of Jeremiah. This is one of the books of prophecy from the Hebrew scriptures or the Old Testament. Jeremiah's voice is one of warning to the people of God as they have strayed away from God. His message Though it is one of hopefulness if the people reignited their faith and were to return to God. So there is hope there. Um, but it was mostly shared with uninterested or even hostile listeners. The introduction in the Lutheran Study Bible, which is one of my favorite resources, um, says about this prophet, 
that most of Jeremiah's listeners thought that he was a heretic. Some people thought he was insane and his family and friends stayed away, end quote. So needless to say, the intensity of Jeremiah's word increases as he desperately tries to bring people back into relationship with God. So we're going to hear some intense words today that come from a place of of Jeremiah wanting God's people to be in a good relationship with God. And it's just a little hard to hear. So Laura, would you read for us Jeremiah chapter 4, verses 23 to 28? Sure. I looked on the earth, and lo, it was waste and void, and to the heavens, and they had no light. I looked on the mountains, and lo, they were quaking, and all the hills moved to and fro. I looked, and lo, there was no one at all, and all the birds of the air had fled. I looked, and lo, the fruitful land was a desert, and all of its cities were laid in ruins, before the Lord, before his fierce anger. For thus says the Lord, the whole land shall be a desolation. Yet I will not make a full end. Because of this, the earth shall mourn, and the heavens above grow black. For I have spoken, I have proposed, I have not relented, nor will I turn back. Thank you. Goodness, and I'm not being dramatic for the sake of drama alone, but I am just going to have to be dramatic in my immediate response to this text. I mean, I know it was written thousands of years ago in a different context when the earth itself was in a much healthier situation, but it also just seems like it could have been written yesterday or, or even last week. We are recording this episode in early September, uh, the week that Hurricane Ida swept through New Orleans and then up through the Northeast in the United States. Um, Just two weeks after a devastating earthquake in Haiti, and while there's still wildfires out in the western U.S., it's still wildfire season there, Um, there's been flooding in Tennessee. So it's been a really intense few weeks of weather here in the United States, and it kind of seems to me like the whole earth is mourning, like we read in Jeremiah here. So I wonder, Laura, what are your reactions and insights into the text, and What are the skies telling us today? Yeah, so this passage makes me think of several things. Uh, One thing that I think of in the beginning um, of the passage, Jeremiah is using this this phrase, I looked on the earth and it was waste and void. And and that's an echo of the the chaos at the very beginning of creation. The tohu vavohu. Yeah, right. (laughs) That's the tohu, yeah. Um, And That reminds me of a statement from um, Bill McKibben, who is a climate activist and a Methodist. Um, And he he writes that we're running the book of Genesis in reverse. Uh, That that a lot of the environmental destruction that we see happening is like we're undoing God's creation. And we're we're heading it towards the chaos that was at the beginning. Yeah. um, Before God came and made order. and, and that also connects with the other thing that I, I noticed here. At the end, you know, God is saying, I, I will not turn back. I have spoken. I have not relented. One way that God speaks is through nature. Mm. And part of that is sort of the laws of nature, right? We have these laws of physics and chemistry that, that cannot be undone. You can't change physics, right? Yeah. Um, and that, and that, that's part of the order that God has created out of the chaos of, of the universe. Um, 
but that order has a kind of um, relentless power to it. Mm-hmm. The laws of physics and the laws of chemistry tell us that when you add more heat to the atmospheric system, you get more storms and bigger storms, right? This is, yeah. this is liter- literally physics. And, and you know this, on a hot day, water will evaporate more easily. So mm-hmm. having more heat in the atmosphere means that the water is evaporating more. So we're getting more clouds with heavier water uh, loads in them. And so then when the, when the rains come, it's heavier rains. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and that's part of what we've seen with Hurricane Ida and and several other things, the floods in Germany earlier this summer. There's there's been a lot of that that effect from the warming atmosphere. Yeah, I mean to think where where Ida hit in New Orleans and how far away New York City is. Um, and I'm from Pennsylvania, and so I have a lot of friends who are in eastern Pennsylvania, and hearing about the flooding in their basements and what's happened in New York City in the subways. Um, I saw a Planet Fitness somewhere in eastern Pennsylvania that like the treadmills are totally covered with water and the staff are just like, what are we supposed to do? And that the storm from New Orleans would have that much water in it, that much rain in it. It's just mind blowing to me. It's touching lots of people in lots of places, places where perhaps we thought we were safe from the effects. In recent decades, I think it's been easy to ignore climate change, even though we shouldn't have been ignoring it, but it's been easy to ignore it in the developed world because we didn't see the effects so strongly. Mm -hmm. But I think that's changing. And um, I think the earth is speaking louder and louder and louder. Or perhaps I should say God is speaking through the earth louder and louder. That's another thing that I love from this passage and many passages in the Bible where um, the natural world is... And enchanted. The natural world is is God speaking. Mm. Um, and I think it's easy in our current worldview, it's easy to see nature as kind of dead matter. But it's not, first of all, it's not dead matter, right? It even even, no, what, even what appears to be dead is usually not. Like dirt or something might seem like it's dead, but it's quite alive. Yeah. Um, but on top of that, I think it, it's valid to offer spiritual interpretations of meteorological phenomena. Now, of course, we don't want to read too much into something or turn it into a meaning that is incongruous with, you know, the God that we know. I don't think it's fair to say that Hurricane Ida is any kind of judgment on New Orleans or on New York. But I do think that when you have a certain input into a natural system, there's going to be laws of nature that require a certain output. There are many places in the Bible where it says, if we treat the land badly, then you will suffer. Mm -hmm. And I think we're seeing that, right? The chickens are coming home to roost for all of us. And, and, uh, there is a concern about climate change that it, uh, the impacts affect those who are worst off the most, which is true. At the same time, nobody is safe. We all, we all are feeling those effects already. Yes. One of the conversations we had earlier in this season of creation um, was with Pastor Meredith Harbor, who serves in Alaska. And she was telling the story of one of her colleagues and one of my classmates from seminary where the place that he was serving, it's built on ice. And so every time it rains, it melts. And so I wonder, do you know, what are some of those other places that started to feel the effects of climate change earlier or first, perhaps before um, some of the other more developed places started to be able to see those effects? 
so some of the canaries in the coal mine, so to speak, are these places that are um, closest to the margins. So, mm. um, yes, the Arctic areas where something is built on um, on ice that then melts or on permafrost that then melts. There are low-lying island nations such mm. as the Marshall Islands, um, Tuvalu, Kiribati. There's a bunch of them um, where the rising seas are causing uh, concern um, about the future of their homeland. There's um, there's some native people uh, who live in the um, in the Gulf Coast area on Ile de Saint Jean Charles or something like that, um, and they are some of our our country's first climate refugees. They simply cannot live anymore on their inundated island. Also, uh, vulnerable areas in uh, India and Pakistan mm. um, and Bangladesh, where you you have people who are living close to the margins in terms of their water availability. If they're if they're not getting those monsoon rains or if they're not getting the same snow snowpack ice melt waters, um, like in, in the, if the glaciers sure. the glaciers in the Himalayan mountains are shrinking, then there's not as much water coming down into into the northern parts of India and Pakistan and uh, Bangladesh, and so we're we're getting some water scarcity there. And then, yeah, many there are lots of places that um, that are experiencing those um, sort of chronic conditions, mm-hmm. and then there's the more dramatic. Um, incidents of the the like the wildfires and the hurricanes, which is episodic, right? It comes and goes. Um, but whoever is the most vulnerable in that society already is going to experience the biggest effects of that. So it's it's fascinating to chart the connections. Mm, it's fascinating mm-hmm. to say like, okay, we're talking about the skies and the atmosphere, and and what's going on is it's getting warmer, right? It's yes. getting warmer because we have these excess of greenhouse gases. It's basically like you've put you've put a blanket and another blanket and another blanket on top of your bed. And it's cozy, but then after a while, if too many blankets, it just gets hot. It's right? too much. You it gotta, can be too much, yeah. You got to put your foot out the side to give that little air conditioning. <laughs> but right. when you're on planet Earth, you can't right. just like put your a continent into space or whatever. <laughs> so when, when we dig fossil fuels up out of the ground and burn them, we're adding an extra layer of blanket to the whole earth. And so the, that heat causes many different effects. And it's a complex system. So in some places, you're going to get um, more rain. And in mm-hmm. other places, you're going to get less rain, right, because of that heat and, and what it means. The heat of the atmosphere is what drives wind. It's what mm. drives ocean currents. So those are major patterns of weather that that are in fact shifting according to what scientists are telling us. Um, and these scientists, I got to tell you, they are some of the bravest souls on this planet. They are they are seeking knowledge of what God is telling them through creation, and interpreting that knowledge to help us know how to respond. We would be nowhere without them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we really need those scientists. And they're finding it challenging to face the breakdown of these systems that they love. There's an emotional component to, oh, the, to the work, the work of climate science. And, and there should be an emotional component for all of us. But I think especially these climate scientists who are on the front lines, who have, for example, been studying the Arctic for years and are finding now that the thing that they used to study is vanishing before mm. their eyes, right? This, this thing that they love, that they've fallen in love with, that they've sought knowledge about for years is now gone or is disappearing. It's hard for them. And then, of course, it's hard for people living in places that are transforming in ways that are inhospitable to their continuing to live there. So yes, so we have this this heat 
uh, in the atmosphere of this planet, and it's leading to migrations. It's leading to people needing to leave their homelands because of drought, because of water pressures or, or other disasters, right? They're having to leave where, where they live. So we have this humanitarian dimension of the climate yeah. crisis. Um, and then just the natural dimension of what are the effects on, you know, vulnerable species that may be close to extinction already. Um, and this, and these effects are what's pushing them over the edge. Mm. So all of this is painful and, and we're not going to stay with the pain, but I want to, I want to make sure that we feel it and hear it, right? There's painful parts of the Bible. You got to read Jeremiah yeah. saying, boo, bad, right? You got to read those parts and feel it so that God's forgiveness and God's deliverance has that power. It's just like any type of healing. And I think especially about healing that happens in our bodies. You know, if you can't clean out the wound, if you're not addressing the problem, if you can't, if you are not able to examine the break in the bone well enough to reset it, it's not going to heal or it's not going to heal right or it's going to continue to be a problem. And so I think we, it's so important for us to come to understand the gravity of the situation with climate change, that it's, it's something that humans have put into motion. And I don't know, is it something that humans can slow down, can reverse? Of course. Yeah, we could reverse it almost completely. There are a few things that it's too late to, to reverse. But mm. for the most part, we can, we can make this better. The thing about climate change is it's not an all or nothing proposition. It's not either happening or it isn't. You can have a small amount of climate change or you can have a large amount of climate change. Aha. Uh -huh. So we can take steps to make sure that it's as small as we can get it yeah. to be. We've done some damage and we have to just admit that and own it. However, the cause of this is too much carbon in the atmosphere. So we need to stop pumping carbon into the atmosphere and we need to draw down the carbon that's already there and put it in a safer place. It doesn't belong in the atmosphere. It's homeless. That, mm. that carbon that's in the atmosphere, it used to live underground. It used to be coal and oil and, and so forth. Why is it in the atmosphere? It needs to come home. So I've never heard it phrased that way. And it's just, it, it, it hits me in my heart. Like it feels so different than just thinking about emissions in the atmosphere, that it's that carbon has a home and it's not where it's supposed to be. That, that I, I just have a very different emotional response to that versus perhaps just like kind of a clinical response to thinking about it in the other way. And this is part of that tohu wabohu issue, right? The, it, there's, a, there's, a, there's a certain amount of chaos here. That carbon is in the wrong spot. Somebody needs to come along and say, we're going to put the dark here and the light here. We're going to put the sun here and the moon here, right? Mm. Like that's, that's God's action of ordering. And um, God is asking us to help put things back where they belong. The house is really messy. It needs to be cleaned up, right? So yeah. put away your books and put away your clothes. You know, let's wash our clothes. Let's, let's clean some things up and put everything back so that we can be at peace. Yeah. Uh, and we can be at peace with our surroundings. So... How do we bring the carbon home? There are a few ways to do it. One of, the best, one of the best places to store carbon is a healthy, functioning, natural ecosystem. Mm. Wetlands, great for storing carbon. Forests, great for storing carbon. Prairies, yeah. Right? So the more we can have restored ecosystems everywhere, the more we can store carbon. 
The more we can farm in ways that enhance the soil's ability to store and hold that carbon, the better. And then there are people working on more sort of technological methods for drawing down and storing carbon. I wish them well. I think we probably do need some of that, but that's harder and pretty costly. But hopefully there's potential there. It sounds like that is definitely still a work in progress, something that people are still coming to understand and research. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the matter of stopping the emissions, right? We need to no longer be putting carbon into the atmosphere. Now, sadly, our entire society is built around burning fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. So we have to change everything. Everything. We have to change it all, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Tomorrow, if possible, or, you know, 10 years from now. So this is this is the real activation, I think, for for many of many people of faith right now. Mm. First, we need to be able to envision that better world. How would we survive without fossil fuels? Can you imagine it, right? We would need a lot of solar panels. Yeah, my the wheels are spinning <laughs> right? in my head and my eyes are kind of glazing over uh-huh. as I'm imagining this. So right. yeah, solar power, uh-huh. windmills, sure. water turbine sure. things. Yeah, we would need uh, to walk more. We would need to buy less. We would need to repair more. We would need probably less shipping and more local use of items. You know, the house is on fire. That's another metaphor people use to talk Mm. about climate change. The house is on fire and we might not be able to save all of our stuff, but we can at least save each other. That's what we're aiming for. So it may be that there are more efficient ways to live. We need to be able to envision those more energy efficient, more material efficient. The less stuff you have to buy, the less uh, pollution needs to happen in the world. To make it, to get it to there. Mm-hmm. To, yes. Mm-hmm. All of that. Mm-hmm. Right. So, for example, I love my neighborhood, but there's something inefficient about it. I have a lawnmower. My neighbor has a lawnmower. The, the next people have a lawnmower. What if we shared a lawnmower? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like that. And yeah. but, but like lots of things. What else could we share? There are ways to re-envision our economies that would be lighter and heavier on the sharing. Lighter on the planet, heavier on the sharing. Congregations can help facilitate this kind of thing. Hmm. Why can't your congregation have a tool library in the basement? Oh, right? yeah. Everyone donates their tools and then somebody staffs it and you can you can share. It's a library, right? So when I need a drill, I go to the church and I get one. Yeah. The the local church, which I walk to. Yes. Ideally. <laughs> Ideally. Right? Yes. So it's a tall order, right? Reinventing yes. everything is a tall order. But thankfully, we are made in God's image and we are creative like God is creative. Yeah. We can think of things. We can imagine better futures and we can make them happen. We have to make them happen. I feel like the earth is issuing us an ultimatum. Mm-hmm. Reinvent everything. Yeah. But thankfully, our God loves new things. God loves putting new wine in it's new wine about skins. It. Mm-hmm. God loves, what is it in Revelation? Behold, I have made all things new. new. All things new. Right? Yeah, Isaiah, behold, I'm. the spring is, oh, I should have this. We've actually already quoted this on the podcast earlier in the summer um, from our bishop in Indiana, Kentucky. Uh, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Yes, yeah, so like oh, comes I forth from the ground like a spring in a dry place. There it is. Yeah. 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 God is the newest kid on the block. Yeah. And the oldest. Yeah. Right? Of course. God is God is in all of that. Of course. Um, and so, you know, and there's ancient wisdom that can help us in that transition too. We need to transition to a better world. 
which is going to resemble some ancient practices, I would say, um, you know, some less high tech, more grounded practices, but also some new things. Let's invent yeah. some new things and, and make it happen with God's help. Yes. And, and I have faith. I don't have a lot of ho- hope, <laughs> but I have faith hmm. that, that God is going to help us and is already trying to help us. And the more we can listen to what God is saying through nature and through each other, if we can listen to that, then God's help is, is there for us. God wants justice in the end, right? Mm-hmm. We've been treating the planet in a very unjust manner. We've been treating each other in a very unjust manner. Yes. And God wants us to stop. Yes. Just stop. I think if we can hear that and just stop <laughs> and redirect, we're going to get help. We're going to get help from God. But we have to take those steps. And I just, that affirmation of God being with us, God speaking through creation to us, and that there is forgiveness there, that there is that creativity within us that God has given us, that we are co-creators, that we are co-laborers, and that there can be a new day. It feels very Eastery, right? That. There's definitely parts, especially like of this Jeremiah text of the darkness that remind us um, from Mark's crucifixion where the sky turns black Mm -hmm. when Jesus dies in the middle of the day. It's like an eclipse or whatever, and the sky turns black. But then on Easter morning, it's a new day, a new dawn. And and it's interesting in Mark, like the the women run away and they don't necessarily tell anyone right off the bat. Mark doesn't give us a really great, um, hopeful ending. But I think that there is faith that what you were saying, that there's faith that God is doing a new thing and we can be a part of it and that there can be a more healthy world in the future. So I want to ask, what is something concrete that folks from all places together could do this week? Um, to help take care of the sky? What is a small adjustment or maybe a big adjustment, but something that they could do this week to stop some of that injustice when it comes to the sky? So if we're concerned about emissions and climate impacts, there are a couple of measures that have the biggest footprint, so to speak. One of them is what we eat. So eating meat is a lo- typically, unless it's the sort of extra local eco meat, most meat is uh, pretty damaging in terms of its ecological footprint. So maybe this week we could lighten up on the meat. We could eat a little bit less meat. Maybe that becomes a habit. Yeah. The less we eat, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You don't have to go 100% vegan. But like the less you do, then the less your impact is. Another major source of greenhouse gases for most of us is our cars. Mm -hmm. So this isn't going to work for everyone, but it's worth thinking about your circumstances. Is there one trip that you take that you could do in a different way? Maybe telecommute from home or something like that. Maybe carpool with somebody. Maybe investigate the bus. I love buses. Buses are the best way to get around because you meet your neighbors. It, there's a bit of a learning curve. Sometimes you have to get to know what is the schedule, how much does it cost, how do I get to the stop, but that's worth investigating anyway. 
So I want to encourage people to maybe ride a bike, maybe walk someplace that you would normally drive to. If your body permits it, right, a nice long walk is good for you. You just need the time. Um, Mm. And I know time is difficult, but making that time sometimes is really worthwhile. A nice long walk to get to a destination can be a way to meditate while you are using your body and sort of connecting with nature, connecting with the world around you. And there are all kinds of tools available to help make such alternative transportation possible. I know a lot of people get stumped on the idea I need to carry something while I'm going, so therefore I need my car. Um, But depending how big that item is, you might find a rolling cart is good enough. Oh, yeah. Um, Or you might find a pretty hefty backpack will do you. So um, I guess I just want to encourage listeners to think about how we transport ourselves and just just try a little bit less driving and see, um, see if you can make that work. The skies will thank you. Yeah, they will. They will. So I mentioned in the beginning that you are a founder of an organization called Raise. Would you like to share with us a little bit about Raise Does and how if folks are local to the Roanoke Valley, how they might get involved? And if they're farther away, how they might be able to support y'all digitally? Sure. So, so yeah, so Raise stands for Roanoke Area Interfaith Stewards of the Earth. We are an affiliate of Virginia Interfaith Power and Light. Basically, all we are is a bunch of local green sheep. We call ourselves green sheep. I love it. (laughs) Because we're the ones in our congregations who are always thinking about like, we can make this recycling system better or why why do we not yet have solar panels? That kind of thing. And so we get together to uh, support one another in our pursuits, to learn from one another. We have a book club and we we do various things to try to promote... um, care for the care for creation in the Roanoke area. Um, Probably the easiest thing is to find us on Facebook. If you just look for Roanoke area interfaith stewards of the earth on Facebook, you'll find us there or you can go to vaipl.org slash raise. And we will link both of those things in the show notes. Thanks. Yeah. Does the Virginia Interfaith Power and Light website have other affiliates that are in other parts of Virginia that people might be able to get connected with? We're the only one so far, but they want there to be other grassroots um, regional organizations within Virginia. So, yeah, anybody interested in doing that should totally get in touch with them. All right. There you go. So there's a little seed of encouragement or inspiration for someone to maybe be able to get involved in that way. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Laura, so much for coming to spend this time with us to share both your your faith and your biblical wisdom as well as your climate expertise. I know I have learned a lot from this conversation, and I'm sure that everyone else has as well. Thank you. After we wrapped on recording, Laura followed up with us with a few more ways that we can each make an impact on climate change. She says the first and best thing an individual can do about climate change is to talk about it with everyone you know. Make it a normal thing to talk about. The second thing is to talk about it with decision makers. Call your city, your county, your state, and your federal representatives. You don't have to have all the answers. You just have to tell them that climate change matters to you as a person of faith. And if you're an ELCA Lutheran like me, I can share some letter writing prompts that will go directly to your federal representatives that come from the church body. So they're like totally plug and play. Finally, the individual actions she mentioned, 
eating less meat, finding alternatives to driving, are even more powerful if we can do them as groups, say, in your congregation or your book club or even just a group of friends. What if the default for all church events was vegetarian food? What if we normalized walking, biking, and taking the bus to church? Then we'd all be that much closer to living the already of a greener world in this not-yet space of climate chaos. She concludes with saying our lives should be emblems of resurrection, not accomplices to crucifixion. We can do this with God's help together. God, our creator, as we look into the skies, we celebrate the wonders of the worlds that surround us. Help us to see your presence in the evening sky, your spirit in the wind, your mercy in the falling rain. Teach us to hear the good news from the sky, celebrating the glory of God in earth. Rejoice with us as we behold the dawn, revealing the mysteries of the skies above the earth below. In the name of Christ, who unites heaven and earth. Amen. Thank you for joining us at All Places Together. If you heard yourself or someone you know in these stories today, we hope you heard God too. Have you signed up your pet for the All Places Together animal blessing? If you haven't, click the link in the show notes. The first 50 pets will get a special animal tag that can adorn their collar, aquarium, or indoor habitat of any kind. The service will be on Tuesday, October 5th at 8 p.m. on our Facebook Live. You can also join me each Tuesday until then on Facebook Live at 8 p.m. for our creation prayers. Hope to see you there. To continue to see all places together grow, you can give through our website. Scroll to the bottom where it says Give to All Places Together and you'll be redirected to our giving platform. Thanks to our mission partners, the Virginia Synod, and the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and people like you who have shared contributions. We know it can be hard to give financially. We literally celebrate all of the ways that you share the stories of all places together with the people in your life. I loved seeing Pastor Meredith's dear ones react to last week's podcast on her Facebook page. Her one friend wrote, Just listened, made me cry at the first part. I learned so much about Orca's great job, Meredith. Thank you again to Meredith for joining us and for sharing this podcast with so many of her friends. It's amazing what we can learn from the people who we have known for years. And until next time, remember that God is with you wherever, whoever, and however you are.